Just for the record, I didn't ask for this. It was just a hot night with a guy that every girl in town wanted. Lucky me. Should have been more careful, though. I got a little rough in bed and wound up cursed by the mark of the fucking beast. Maybe you can hum the theme song. Won't hold it against you if you get parts wrong. While the memory's not too strong, there's a piece of you from a time long gone. So while these fuzzy warm feelings remain, the question we ask is still the same. Is it a treasure or just plain lame? Is this still good? Hello and welcome back to Is This Still Good Nights our spooky version of a podcast where we look back at childhood treasures and see how they stand up with or without nostalgia goggles. Do you want to try this again? Do you want to show it, Kevin? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I I think we're doing great. All right. Uh, Yeah, it's uh, it's a spooky version of our normal podcast uh, with uh, worse CGI. How's it Mm -hmm. going, Gavin? I mean, aside from our lack of CGI budget, we're doing okay, I feel like. I mean, you can make a horror movie with with a tiny CGI budget, as I'm sure you know? Well, it depends on, like, if you spend all your money on uh, practical effects, but then the producers decide that, you know, that's not the way that they want to head. It can be a really complicated, complicated time. Speaking of... uh, Complicated times? Complicated times. Tyler Manzo, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on board. Really appreciate it. Uh, Speaking of clock stoppers, which is a complicated time story. Yep, that was clock... that was the segue. Yes, <laughs> Clockstoppers was the last time I was on board uh, with your podcast, and that's why I'm glad to be back. Also, because this film is in a similar vein, also about a young kid, this time played be, played by Jesse Eisenberg, getting bullied and getting extraordinary skills to get over his bullies. So, good segue, similar situation, <laughs> but this time horror themed. They, they do both star Jesses. That's true. Now. Which movie are you uh, alluding to? Between Cursed and Clockstoppers. All right, so we're talking about Cursed today. Okay, I was confused again. Sorry. (laughs) It's kind of good timing because on our our Freddy vs. Jason podcast, our buddy Sean Lynch started talking about Cursed for a while, and I'd somehow never heard of this film. It's a 2005 Wes Craven film. I thought I'd seen most West Craven films. I figured I'd heard of all of them. There are some uh there are some hidden things that uh that slipped through the cracks. Tyler, why on earth do you want to talk about curse? <laughs> well obviously uh I've been wor- I've been working a lot now now that the pandemic's gone down a little bit. Um worked on a commercial for uh the Tomorrow War and worked on a course commercial and so that's been great. But uh, I had a little bit of free time between those, and I started looking into famous movies that were in development hell, as they call it. Development hell meaning, you know, as you guys, of course, know. A movie... Marked by the Beast. Yep. Mm-hmm. It, a movie that's, you know, just got caught up in production forever. And I was just curious. And for some reason, Cursed popped up. And I remember I had this experience of going over to my friend's house and watching it, you know, back when it came out in 2005. And uh, I hadn't seen it in ages. And when I started reading about movies stuck in development hell, I decided to rewatch it when I had some downtime. And when I ended up looking into the story, it was hilarious. Like they actually almost reshot the movie three times. And uh, as Gavin mentioned before, they had done everything in like practical werewolf effects. And the producers 
didn't like how it came out, so they reshot almost every scene with CGI, and it ended oh. up it ended up taking it's, it's three a real extra bummer. years. Yeah, yeah. thinged it. Okay. Yep, the th- just like the 2011 Thing remake. Well, and it is Rick Baker doing. Uh, I think Rick Baker doing the CG. They're doing the practical effects. Like, yeah, oh. he's, so, he's kind of a legend. Saying. And like every once in a while, like my favorite scene, which I'm, you know, uh, just to get into it right now. Why not? Is yeah. a werewolf busts through a window, <laughs> gives everyone the finger, <laughs> and then gets shot a bunch. And that's definitely practical effects, and it looks great. Like, it does. It's such a bummer that we have to look at terrible CGI for so much more. And you know, just to throw it out there really quickly, I'm sure it was rushed and low budget. The CGI, like, not trying to actually fault the animators. Uh, but yeah, what a bummer. <laughs> I don't know. This this movie had a $38 million budget. I'm wondering how much of that is, like, CGI thrown in after the fact. I think it was more than $38 million. I mean, that's, uh, yeah. It yeah, says 90, was, like, 90 to 100 million. It made 30 million at the box office. Well, it cost yeah, 100 million. numbers I have at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fun fact um, the cinematographer, uh, let me see, I have his There's name no here. way in shit this movie cost $90 million. <laughs> you have to remember, they shot it four times. <laughs> Robert McLowan, uh, the cinematographer of the movie, ended yeah. up uh, being the cinematographer for Game of Thrones. Oh. So it had a, it had a, every, it had the entire recipe to be an amazing movie. Well, we're we're skipping the the biggest part, which is that this is the entire creative team behind Scream. <laughs> yep, <laughs> Kevin Williamson, Williamson, Wes Craven, Christina Ricci. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> was Christina Ricci in Scream? I can't see your face, so I don't know if you're joking. <laughs> that was actually the reason I I found this movie because I found out Christina Ricci was going to be in the Matrix Four. And oh, I started looking up. Oh. I was like, "Oh, what other movies has Christina Ricci been in?" And uh, I was like, "Huh, I never heard of this movie before." And then I found out. And then Nick Offerman plays a police mm-hmm, officer mm-hmm. in like three brief scenes. There are and a I... lot of like tiny cameos. Uh, Michael Rosenbaum plays like uh, her. I mean, I hate to use friend zoned, but I, I <laughs> didn't think of another one fast enough. Christina Ricci's office office partner, who's clearly in love with her. Um, yeah. And I, I, he played Lex Luthor for eight seasons on Smallville, and one of my favorite actors who just disappeared from everything, and has a very fun podcast now where he just talks to a bunch of people associated with nerd shit, including Jesse Eisenberg uh, hey. about Cursed. If you want to check that out, who would have been a smart thing for me to listen to before this podcast. And then Jesse Eisenberg also played Lex Luthor, which is kind of ironic when you think about it. Oh man. They do, yeah. There's two Lex Luthers in that scene. It's the cursed cinematic universe. Um, <laughs> my favorite, my favorite Hollywood moment of something like that is the fact that uh, two actors from Kickass both got to play Quicksilver in different universes. That's awesome. Well, it's and in the same specific. universe, and in the same universe, yes, <laughs> ours, the one uh, in our hearts and minds. Shall we recap this film real quick? Well, I'd like to know, like Tyler. Have you seen this movie before all this? Like, where where are you in a space and time when you first watch Cursed? Yeah, the first time I watched it, a similar situation as to our Clockstoppers story. Uh, you know, I was a kid. Uh, I went over to my uh, my friend who was my neighbor in Fairfield where I lived when I was younger and just watched it at his parents' house. And um, I'd always loved werewolf movies. I, my favorite werewolf movie, obviously, American Werewolf in London. 
Mm-hmm. So I was like excited to see a new werewolf movie. It was like a really big deal when I was younger. And it was one year later that um, Van Helsing came out, and I was super <laughs> stoked on that, which is funny because the CGI is equally terrible. Yep. But yeah, it was just something, you know, it was part of part of my youth where I wanted to see it. And it had totally gone out of my mind, forgot it existed until I started researching development hell movies recently, okay. a few months ago. Well, quick tangent, actually. Van Helsing, one of the... Um... I forget what you call it, like the pre-pro guys from Van Helsing, I remember, came to my high school uh, video hmm. class and uh, was talking about like his career in cinema and what could happen and stuff. And he How was showing not worth it. all this incredible pre-production like art from Van Helsing and like all these amazing things that they were going to do. And you could just feel the pain in his voice and like how far they've <laughs> gone away from what uh, everyone thought they were going to do with that movie. And uh, so, yeah, speaking of development hell and werewolves, yeah, I think hmm. they're just. Mm. That is one of the ones where you could tell it's like no one planned this kind of movie. <laughs> like the people involved would not have signed on for the movie as it was finalized. Same with like, I don't know, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen or yeah, a bunch of those. Are just yeah. like. There's no way that the original pitch, the original script are as bad as what came out. There's just no way. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson. Wes Craven's made some some bad films. Um, but like Yeah. Curse probably should have come out better than it did. Re- reading small snippets of what he has to say about Cursed is extremely disheartening. Mostly it has to do with like this was two and a half years of my life. If I had known they weren't going to let me do anything that I wanted to do on this movie, I would have said no. It was a lot of money, and it wasn't worth it. I I thought about chasing this with Van Helsing afterwards. I just ended up being too tired and didn't hate myself enough. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I I thought about it, and I said, okay, I can watch Van Helsing afterwards. I could watch The Covenants, which would be a nice pairing for like Is, mid-2000s okay, so witchy, bad really CGI. Quickly, to and get, I just to get I like myself the movie too much. That- I thought this was I thought I'd seen Cursed before and I don't know what movie it is that I've seen that I remember like <laughs> liking passively. Um it's not Cursed. <laughs> I think it might have been The Covenant. I don't know. I think you probably just fell asleep while reading your own werewolf rock band script. <laughs> uh I don't know. I, I there there is some movie out there that I like. Well there's probably a lot of movies out there that I like that I don't remember what they are or why I liked them. But I mean, I always have like blank spots in my mind when it comes to um, to werewolf movies, because they just like there are not as many werewolf movies as there are vampire movies. I feel confident no. saying that there's a lot. They're that a little I'm harder unaware to do. of. Yeah. And like I had trouble racking my brain like from werewolf movies I've seen if I've seen a good werewolf movie and i know everyone's gonna jump in and say an american werewolf in london i think that movie's fine i don't understand why people like it as much as that they one's do. fun the howling's got it's a fun, lot of great yeah. stuff going for it i've not seen uh, the howling dog soldiers is pretty fun i haven't seen that um, um i've seen several movies called the wolfman and they're all bad to okay yeah no i mean my my two favorite would be probably well an american werewolf in london how the howling and then dog soldiers are probably the three that I'd recommend if you wanted to watch a good werewolf movie <laughs> or ones that work. And I can't remember if Le Pac de Lou was like an actual werewolf or just like a, a wolf monster, uh, which is a, a French movie that I really need to revisit. 
This mm. is great. Um, apparently, they're going to do a reboot of The Wolfman uh, with Ryan Gosling. So Why not? <laughs> Why Let's not? just keep trying to get that dark universe happening, baby. <laughs> they're going to keep trying for that dark universe. I grew up with the original Wolfman. It's it's fun. Yeah. I, I missed the Benicio del Toro one. I just it it looked a little CGI, one. but apparently it wasn't. Uh, it's okay. I stayed away from it because I think like the director got changed out halfway through. I think it's mm-hmm. a Joe Johnston movie, which is uh, like the man who did the Rocketeer in Captain America, mm. and is good at one type of movie and, and less good at another type. But any type of director comes over halfway through. I've got to have a strong reason to really, really check it out. I'm because, sure we'll uh, watch The Rocketeer at one point, but I, that's a movie I that so, I remember yeah. being disappointing because I loved it as a kid, and I think that was one I revisited, and I was bummed out. Because how can you not make punching out a Nazi on top of a blimp fun? I mean, I remember that being kind of fun. I think that was just hampered by being 1991. Because <laughs> uh, when he did it, like 20 years later for Captain America, came out pretty well. There's no blimps. It feels like there should be blimps in that movie, now that I'm yeah. saying it out loud. I, I wish uh, that Which is we why just... they made up for it, by making every subsequent Captain America movie take place in the sky as, as ships fight each other. <laughs> I wish they'd just remade The Rocketeer instead of launching Captain America. But whatever. It's wow. Okay. <laughs> you're <laughs> taking a away take. a lot of movies I love in your alternate universe. <laughs> Fuck off. They, this article I'm reading says the new Wolfman is going to be in the vein of Jake Gyllenhaal's Nightcrawler. With a okay. supernatural twist. <laughs> Feels like the final movie won't be like that, but... Uh, <laughs> but good on him for trying. Hey, yeah, that's a cool pitch. I don't know. Universal, hey. like, fucks up their, their monster movies now. Like, uh, I couldn't get over, like, how unnecessary and bad the new Mummy was. Although, uh, you know, was... Invisible Man, they went the other way. I'm assuming that is Universal. Quite like that movie. Yeah, it's the, it's. I think it's the producer behind the Invisible Man that's making the new... Uh, Wolfman. They are really determined to make this dark universe, this dark cinematic universe, a thing. So I mean, good on I've them been for excited trying. Excited for every attempt at it, and then they're just like not making the right movies, or like trying to uh, take notes from the uh, the worst Marvel movies uh, that are more about like setting up future franchises than they are about telling their own story. Because uh, yeah. Russell Crowe shows up as Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde in. <laughs> in uh, The Mummy, and there's just no fucking reason for it. Uh, but if they kept, like, that low-budget approach, like, most of these movies should be, unless you need, like, a heavy prosthetics and CGI budget, um, even the like, a, a Wolfman movie shouldn't cost more than $20 million. Invisible Man, I'm sure, cost, like, five or six. I mean, he's invisible. How can it cost money? <laughs> it doesn't. Well, I mean, you d- probably have to remove him from shots, Tyler. <laughs> but what if you just don't show him at all? He's invisible. Yeah. Why are we paying just... so much money for Jessica Alba? We don't even see her. <laughs> I, I just love monster movies. I've always loved monster movies. Also, to toss it out real quick, that's Blumhouse, not Universal, which I okay. That's I, what I, I had wondering. to double check, but yeah. Well, yeah, the 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 talent behind it made me like they're associated with with Blumhouse a lot and the budget as well. But I just assumed Universal owned the rights to it, so. Maybe because maybe that's part of the reason they took a detour in terms of you. You're mentioning that it was so different from like the Invisible Man that maybe you know from the Universal series, mm-hmm. and that's because it's probably they're both adapted from I'm assuming a a book or story that is in the public domain. So as long as you don't copy the old movie, the rights are probably free. 
we could go out and make an Invisible Man movie right now, as long as we didn't copy either of those movies and not get in trouble. The uh, the the movie I've wanted to make forever is a Frankenstein movie with Javier Invisible Bardem. Frankenstein. I got you. <laughs> no, Javier <laughs> Bardem as Frankenstein. We need to make that happen. Yeah, I'm on Invisible Frankenstein now because I like the idea of a mob of uh, angry villagers just like stabbing wildly into the night with pitchforks, <laughs> Where and is just brandishing he? flame, just trying to get the Invisible Frankenstein monster. <laughs> I'd watch that for sure. I love that's one of my favorite like dumb. Uh, I think it's a New Yorker uh, comic. Is just like it's Frankenstein sitting next to some woman, and it's him just going. You know, it's fine. You can call me Frankenstein. I don't really care. <laughs> I don't need to be Frankenstein's monster. Uh, so, Sage, had you seen Cursed before? I had not seen Cursed before. I had almost no awareness of this movie. Just learned a lot. Was very excited to see a lot of cast from Arrested Development, surprisingly, in it. Um, and now that Tyler has said that this came out like three or four years after it was filmed. A lot of things make sense in the timeline. One, this <laughs> this whole movie feels like it was shot in the late 90s and not the mid-2000s. That's definitely how it like, feels. A lot of the choices and just how old everyone is are just like, it doesn't, it doesn't quite add up. <laughs> Jesse Eisenberg is, they keep calling him like a teenager, like a young kid. He looks exactly the same as he looks now. Yeah, yeah. I, absolutely. <laughs> I like to think of it almost like a... Uh, um, a Mark Zuckerberg origin story. He was, a, <laughs> he was a, a werewolf before he created Facebook. Okay. Do we want to recap this movie? I'm not doing it. I'll give it a shot. Why I not? want to hear Gavin's recap. All right. Orphaned by a car crash, siblings Christina Ricci and Jesse Eisenberg live uh, near Mulholland Drive in Los Angeles. He's in high school. He's awkward. You know, kind of nerdy teen, has a crush on a popular girl who's dating a jerky jock. Christina Ricci is, I think, works at a, either, a, she works at a late, uh, late night TV show dealing with publicists and dating the uh, club owner of LA's newest, hippest, um, Wax Museum slash nightclub. What he does, what she doesn't know is why her boyfriend tends to get real, uh, needing his own space around the time the moon comes out. That being said, uh, she decides to spend that time rubbing shoulders with, what's his name, Scott Baio, um, and taking her own time. decides that's a part of her job. Yeah, yeah, part of her job. But she does it, she does it spitefully, though, to kind of, you know. One fun thing about this movie is it was supposed to be rated R, and they recut it to be PG-13. Mm-hmm. So they actually, they did all the work to do like this really elaborate, gory effects that were realistic and practical effects and then cut it all out. So you didn't yeah. even get that. We'll get that, to some, we'll get to some moments. That doesn't sound like a part of the recap title. <laughs> but um, the man truth. It's so funny though. <laughs> anyway, uh, they get in a car crash with Shannon Elizabeth who... Um, when they're checking on her in her car, is ripped out by some strange beast as they hold on to her and are dragged through a forest outside of Mulholland Drive. Um, they res- they escape, but not unscathed, and soon find that they crisp at touching silver and 
are ridiculously attractive to everyone they walk by. Now, as you might assume, this causes some problems. They realize they might be werewolves, and the only way to undo the curse is to kill the main werewolf. But who is it? I don't know, but the werewolf sure has been chasing all of Christina Ricci's boyfriend's exes down and murdering them. Mm. Now, oh wait, it's a jealous also ex who's now a bitchy werewolf. Uh, They fight, they kill her, which you have to do by removing a werewolf's head. Little known fact. Um, But now that she's gone, they can be together. Or wait... Christina Ricci's boyfriend is a creepy werewolf, and they gotta murder him. So they do, and it's all gravy. And that is cursed. <laughs> <laughs> and they uh, apparently they abandoned the common principle that you can kill a werewolf with a silver bullet, I guess. I mean, to be fair, they don't really try. <laughs> you know. One thing I looked up while you were while you were talking is uh the Craig Kilburn show, Late Night with Craig Kilburn, was off the air by the time this movie came yes. out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Which is the show that Christina, Christina Ricci works on, in case I wasn't clear enough about that. Right. Um, this is a movie... You know, I one thing I want to just immediately start talking about is I kept forgetting that this movie took place in Los Angeles. I think it's 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 hard to do a werewolf movie in Los It's hard to do any movie that has to partially take place in the woods at nights in Los Angeles. You've really got to go out of your way to tell that story. I you mean, you got the whole, like, you know, what is it? The woods. You got to like go to just... Santa Clarita. Yeah. I mean, it's around. I think it's, it's like woods. the lack of... Um... Dry woods. <laughs> it's, it's weird to see a movie that takes place in Los Angeles that doesn't just have a ton of like establishing highway shots as transitions <laughs> just one of the staple of any LA movie yeah. so I'm not saying they failed LA as a location I'm saying like I literally kept forgetting and in my head I just put it in like Ohio or on the east coast somewhere where it would make more sense outside of the times where it's literally at the late night with Craig Kilborn set <laughs> which establishes it as uh, one of two cities uh, yeah, not take place in New York. I felt exactly the same way. Like um, they mentioned L.A. like maybe three times in the whole movie, and I think if they didn't do that, I would have no idea that it was set in L.A. Other yeah, yeah. than a couple of random shots of uh, of the four hundred five and a few freeways. Well, I mean, to me, it's like very much Mulholland Drive and Sunset Strip. Like, is at the core of this movie. Like they're going nightclub hopping. There's rooftop parties, and the Werewolf scene takes place on Mulholland Drive. That's true. I guess I'm it, not as familiar with that part of LA. It, to me, it feels very LA. It's just West Side. Mm. <laughs> That's it. When when uh, when Hollywood makes an LA movie, they make it uh, centered around the West Side of LA. And if you're on the East Side, like me or you guys, yeah, it feels like it feels yeah. like a different part of LA for sure. Exactly. Like, but this is the ritzy side of LA that people think of. Truth. I'm not saying it's too fancy. I'm saying like the amount of it that takes place inside, it could be. And I, I assume they filmed it in L.A., so I'm just surprised it's not more prevalent. I, it's not a I'm, nitpick. It's just something I felt through it that I thought was worth talking about. Okay. 
I think you're wrong. And I wouldn't (laughs) say that the movie's too fancy. I'm just saying you're not fancy enough. Damn. I didn't say the movie's too fancy. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) I think Joshua Jackson's very bad in this. Who's Joshua Jackson? The boyfriends from Fringe. Uh, What, Party of Five? What was Joshua Jackson from? I think he's all right. He's not given that much to do, but he looks scruffy enough. I'd buy the man as a werewolf. I mean, no, by by the end when he's like creepy, but like some of the scenes going up to it, and I don't know, I don't know what to blame for what. I don't know if Joshua <laughs> Jackson knows what he's supposed to be doing in each scene, or if he did like a great job order. in the first movie, the second movie. It's just by the third and fourth <laughs> time they made this movie, he was kind of over it. My favorite thing about this movie was that every like um, it would be consistently that every character would appear with a jump scare sound effect. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's so a like stupid amount of jump scares. In this so film. many jump scares. So anytime a character would appear, it would just make that jump scare sound, and it would be it would it would started getting almost like a joke by the end of the movie. And uh, and my apologies already. It was Dawson's Creek, not Party of Five. Ah. Uh, before anyone writes in angrily about that. That explains why I didn't know who he was. I guess I guess he would have been like at the height of Dawson's Creek while they were filming this. He could have been in both, and I wouldn't have been able to tell you to be honest. But <laughs> it's possible. I want to. Uh, so let's see who who does do a great job in this though. Scott Baio. <laughs> Scott Baio's got having a lot of fun. You know. Yeah. No. It's why would you like play yourself as? as a creep when they could cast anyone. I'm trying to figure out what's in what's in this for Scott Bayo. Although I guess he doesn't have much of a career at this point. He's most famous for playing Bob Blah Blah on Arrested Developments. Um, he wasn't part of like a sitcom? Oh, I mean like at this period in time and for the fifteen no, I mean he was a big sitcom star. He came on to um to come on to Happy Days. He like replaced uh uh the Fonz. Oh, in wow. one of those shows. Like, yeah, and that's why he comes in and he replaces that Henry Winkler. He he replaces Henry Winkler in Arrested Developments as well. And they make a joke. It's like, it's not the first time I've, I've come <laughs> in and replaced him. He's also uh, Charles, Charles in, in charge. charge. Yeah. <laughs> so like big sitcom star for a period of time that I'm not aware of. Judy Greer, I really enjoy in this movie too. She's wonderful. Also <laughs> ageless. Also looks the same in this as she does in Ant-Man. She yeah. looks exactly the same. It's insane. Yeah. She's ageless. She um, definitely think... gets to have the most fun in this movie and is the best part of this movie, I would argue. Oh, yeah. Turns out there's no such thing as safe sex with a werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> By far, the most I enjoyed this film was just watching Judy Greer say anything. Mm-hmm. My favorite was um, just uh, anything that ended in my ass. So, like, the first thing was a mountain lion, my ass. Yes. And then reschedule my ass. And it just, like, everything would end in that. Like, that was, like, a really good comedic thing that the writers were really proud of. I, I'm surprised that this didn't include a check, please. <laughs> or maybe the original draft did. I think my favorite line in the whole movie might be... Um, Jesse Eisenberg lifts the, his bully into the air, and he because his bully had been calling him a fairy. Oh uh, the yeah. The movie oddly included a lot of homophobic uh, a insults, a lot, like a strange amount. Well, it was a big plot point. 
Yeah, but then he ended up being not um, excusing it. Still yes. choices. <laughs> yeah, but then still Jesse, choices several people made. <laughs> Jesse Eisenberg lifts him in the air and he says, "You know what the best part of being a fairy is? You get to fly." And then he throws him. <laughs> yeah, and then the, does a the, neck breaker pile drive. It's, yeah. yeah, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> That's the kind of things that makes you realize, yeah, I'm watching a 2005 movie right now. Yeah. And like for anyone who knows, who has watched any sort of Olympic wrestling and WWE wrestling, this is like the most hilarious combination of the two because they don't really mesh. Like there's not a wrestling coordinator is like kind of the attempt at like Jesse Eisenberg is built like me. He's like 140 pounds and he's lifting this guy in the air. He's teen wolfing all over the but place. But he's, he's teen wolfing, oh, for sure. yeah. Yeah. No, he gets to have a, a fair amount of fun in this movie, too. But, oh, boy. Yeah, that just was watching it go from, like, normal wrestling to, you know, I'm going to grab you, get you in a headlock, and then lift you vertically. You're going to go stiff as a board. So we can really, like, you know, pull off these wrestling moves, like, full-on luchador. He does, like, a, what do you call that? Neckbreaker hurricane or whatever? Yeah. That's around, isn't that? That's around the same time that the 2001 Spider-Man, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man, came out. Oh yeah, and they had the whole wrestling scene. I don't know. Wrestling scenes were big in movies in the early 2000s for some reason. Hmm. I miss them. Let's bring them back. <laughs> we need more. <laughs> yeah, let's let's cater to Gavin specifically. And I me. Mean, I'm gonna make you my weatch. That's what I think of every time there's a bad light in a horror film. <laughs> I should have watched The Covenant again. Uh. Man, some of the you guys want to talk about the CGI in this film? Try to figure out what went wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely want to talk about the CGI because there that was, was like there was prosthetics left over. It's not like they CGI'd a hundred percent out of everything. Yeah, like, there's Most some close-ups of the werewolf's face that is very clearly prosthetics, and I think not a good look. Yeah, and that's almost the worst thing about it is because. Um, the C, uh, what Rick Baker did with the practical effects were good, but you know, with the quality of the camera, you could see the flaws in it. But yeah. the combining of the CGI plus the practical effects didn't mesh like at all. So it's yeah. so jarring when it switches between the two. I guess prosthetics must be like a significantly harder job now than it was like in the 80s or early 90s just because of uh, yeah. camera quality. Well, and part of it too is like lighting, which they aren't like I'm I'm thinking about the big transformation scene in this movie, yeah. which every werewolf movie's gotta have one where they just try and you do as about much like, as they can. Oh, the yeah. continuous one with uh, Judy Greer. Yeah, and yeah. it is rough. And that's it's predominantly bad. CGI, but it's like well yeah. lit. Like I mean and by well lit I mean like you can see everything. It's, it's yeah. like yeah, and it is it it's is overlit bad. for that, and like the lights not playing on everything. I mean, and that's the one thing... of the biggest things with CGI is like if the shadows aren't in the right places and the light isn't hitting it, then it's very clearly someone drew this over an actual like scene. It's also the choice that like at this time, I'm sure just CGI hair wasn't at the place it needed to be. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the transformation is like hairless for like most of it, <laughs> and it is gross and it doesn't look good and i'm trying to think of like when monsters inc came out because i know that was like sully was the big uh that's when hair really came out no this is after this is after monsters inc shit they should have done better where was the hair in the transformation come on yeah and it really um just seeing van helsing a year after that it looked just like the cgi (laughs) Van Helsing, and it looks so bad 
and it's now hilarious. There, there is one. I mean, there's a couple other moments that are that are terrible CGI as well. There was one that I was very impressed by, uh, which is later in the film when Jesse Eisenberg and Christina Ricci. I'm never going to remember their characters' names. No. Uh, are starting to to transform like the the werewolf the curse is starting to really take effect and jesse eisenberg rips up uh, uh lifts up his shirt and his torso is is uh contorting and uh inverting and veins are going everywhere i thought that looked fantastic and was creepy as shit i'd yeah. actually say that was the creepiest part of this entire movie i agree that did look pretty good actually that was there was like the few bits of moments in that movie where the cgi was like wow that actually does look pretty decent it looked fine yeah the eyeballs I mean, it, changing were okay sometimes too yeah. it's just mostly like anytime you saw a werewolf move it reminded me almost of like Speaking of an American werewolf in London, which is great, an American werewolf in Paris, <laughs> the sequel, <laughs> has a lot of really, really bad-looking running CGI werewolves that do not match their environment. And it's got okay. that, where, like, these werewolves oh, are no. weightless within their world. They're just, like, there's just they just feel like they're tacked on. And part of that, I know, is, again, just the speed with which they're having to move. And, you know, this is an older movie, but... Yeah, it's rough. And so when was American Werewolf in Paris? Because I feel like <laughs> it was too early to really get that. I know it doesn't matter that much. I think it might have been around the same time, to be honest. Okay. Uh, oh, 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 it was 97. Yeah, that's yeah. too early to, to be putting in CGI werewolves, <laughs> even with planning. You know, I'm trying to think of, like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a good CGI werewolf. And maybe they're better in Van Helsing. I don't remember. Nope. Oh no, Van Helsing's okay. terrible. <laughs> they were at least like planned. They look a little bit better in the scene, but the design is is so, bad. I got I, to actually, watch they, Van Helsing over quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> this this is this is something I, I'm down to get into is like werewolf movies in general. Like if even talking about those three that I mentioned earlier, an American Werewolf in London, Dog Soldiers, and The Howling. One thing none of them do that this movie does do, and I would argue does pretty well in the moments that it does it is this is a full werewolf bodysuit that someone can move in the mm. howling you never see a werewolf mm. run it's like it's either in shadow or like walking slowly or transforming and all of it looks amazing when it does that but if you're watching for it you can really tell that they can't move the werewolf yeah there well. was there was a fair, few scenes fair. where it looked really good i think there was one scene where the werewolf is attacking a lady in a parking garage. Where yeah. It, mm -hmm. Yeah. And it looked really good. Like, it looked convincing. And I was pretty impressed with that. Well, that again, I'm going to keep harping on, uh, what's her name? Julie Greer? Jody Greer? Jody Greer. Judy Greer. Judy Greer. <laughs> Judy Greer punching through that window and flipping off the cops before she's <laughs> yeah. shot down in a, in a barrage of, of gunfire. Looks fantastic. Like that werewolf, Agreed. like it's it's lit very, you know, again, kind of overlit, but that's a good looking werewolf suit. <laughs> as someone who, as Sage mentioned earlier, wrote a werewolf movie, I was like, I've never seen a werewolf suit be able to do what I'd want it to do in this movie, even as like silly as I'd want this to be. Yeah. They're just, I haven't seen a good looking werewolf suit that can move. So like a werewolf playing guitar uh, and doing a power slide, I just don't know how to do it. <laughs> but this how, movie gives me hope, to be honest. So if you, if you wrote a werewolf script, how familiar are you overall with like werewolf lore and like the rules of a werewolf universe? 
because I, mean, I just misremember vampire rules every time I think of a werewolf. They're pretty similar, you know. Yeah. It's mostly just, you know, silver is bad. Uh, the moon forces them to change. And then, like, it gets pretty loose around that. Okay. You know? You could really play in that werewolf sandbox. Yeah. Like, I mean, you have to kill the werewolf that bit you to reverse the curse. That's generally, yeah, that's, that's okay. not an uncommon one. If you think back to Futurama, you know, even... Uh, when Bender is, becomes a wear car. <laughs> Similar rules. Classic episode. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I guess in this movie, what was it that you had to take off the head of the werewolf right. to kill? That was new. <laughs> that was, yeah, I hadn't heard that before. And that's one of the that things I really love. Is like, Silver's gonna get a hurt a lot, and like you could use it as a distraction, but there's only one way. And but that's why I... Off. I truly love that the way they defeat the first werewolf is uh, Christina Ritchie just says some catty things to bait uh, Judy Greerwolf into revealing herself. Yeah. She bursts through a window, Bony flips ass. off the cop, yells, <laughs> liar, <laughs> which is the only word that I think we hear a werewolf say in werewolf mode yeah. and uh, gets shot a lot. And then they shoot her through, they shoot her through the head at the end. And, and she's like, "Is he dead?" Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> is uh, he dead? They, he, she, she asks her brother if he's dead. He said, "Like, uh, yeah, uh, brains on the floor. That should work." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, uh, that's what I'm gonna remember the most about this movie. That's probably the opening quote to this episode. <laughs> I wanna, I wanna shout out uh, Sean Lynch, um, former former guest and probably future guest on the pod. No, but... I'm done. <laughs> In Red Snow, one of my favorite lines is. Uh, they're going into the vampire lore, and our main character asks a vampire, so, like, would a stake through the heart, would that kill you? And the vampire responds, I mean, I think that'd kill pretty much anything. <laughs> <laughs> I always think about that, yeah. Gavin, do you have a cinematography corner for us? Do you have any thoughts that ran through your mind watching this film as far as, like, shooting style? I mean, not really. This is pretty straightforward 90s. It's not... I would say, if anything, it's your classic it feels, '90s, 2005 film. Yeah, it feels almost a little lazy in that, like, I it kind of feels like they've. I'm. I don't know if the DP shot all four versions of this movie, but it feels <laughs> like by the time they're making this one, they're not convinced it's ever going to get released, and like, why bother? It uh, yeah, in the cinematography respects. definitely feels lazy, in my opinion, in my non-cinematographer opinion. But yeah, it's yeah, it's totally functional. It yep. it works. It, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. It just feels very like, let's do a dialogue scene over and over again. Yeah, exactly. It feels very much shot like a, um, almost like a soap opera to a certain extent. Yeah. Which, I mean, it kind of is in certain respects. Yeah, it's a werewolf There's there's a few, like you mentioned the car scene. That's one where they get to do like they're the more of a horror thing. And there's fun in that. Like, um, I forget which, what the actor's name is, but like her, like clinging to a car so that the werewolf can look under and not see her. Delightful. Yeah. Um, I like that the movie makes you root for this person that you've been totally hating Who, most of this movie. Who's been a dick the whole movie, <laughs> yeah. I will say, I, I wanted to mention the initial car crash, the car crash that happens in the beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. uh, cracked me up because the cars can get, you know, it falls off like a, a ledge and it's completely upside down and the girl in the car is trying to get out. And Christina Ricci's character goes, do you have a car jack? 
like <laughs> like, like, like that's gonna, gonna help gonna, she's yeah. gonna use a car jack to get it like flipped over it's it's a, that that is a weird scene that yeah. definitely the tone of that is so odd like yeah. that that scene is so much funnier than i feel like it should be i was like i don't know the car the car could explode but on the other hand i do kind of like the moments where just like if if i'm involved in that situation i actually don't know how much i'm panicking i'm not sure like the right, right way to help um i don't know <laughs> well i want to describe just you know as a total like a, a semi aside who you are you all familiar with that um werner herzog story which one which one Werner Herzog, and I, th- I believe it happened on Mulholland Drive. Joaquin Phoenix was driving, crashed his car, rolled down a hill, and was suspended, I'm assuming, upside down, much like Shane Elizabeth in Cursed. Hmm. And much like Shane Elizabeth in Cursed, there may have been gas leaking, leaking into, that, uh, into that car. Mm. But Joaquin Phoenix is a creature of habit to calm his nerves. He took a cigarette out of his uh, out of his pack, put it between his lips, and was reaching for his his light his uh, cigarette lighter <laughs> when he heard a voice uh, telling him to calm down. And he looks to looks to his side and finds Werner Herzog speaking in a calm German voice, saying, "Calm down. You've had a car crash. It's time for you. We need to get you out of this car." No, no, no. Put away the cigarette. <laughs> now it's not the tightest folks. See, this is what happens when you grow <laughs> up in a cult. <laughs> and so uh, Werner Herzog saved Joaquin Phoenix's life, wow. stopping him from igniting uh, that car into a firebomb that uh, could have really put a damper on things. I wish to lose a Phoenix. <laughs> I wish when I was in a situation and uh, I was talking with people like you, I'd be like, Hmm, I'm going to say something that makes a lot of sense. And then David Lynch appears magically. And he's <laughs> like, don't say anything that makes sense. <laughs> I'm here for you, Tyler. <laughs> don't yeah. say anything that makes sense. Remember, I'm here. Life is but a waking dream. <laughs> yeah, where we live in a Monica Bellucci dream. <laughs> um, back to the car crash in this movie. Uh, it feels like such a set piece, too, that the, like car has stopped in this impenetrable forest wall at the bottom of the hill and uh on uh sunset boulevard or wherever it's very <laughs> they, silly they have their car they have their dog in the car uh the labrador and the car rolls over like 10 times and then everyone is totally <laughs> fine like the dog is fine everyone is fine they're like oh no that was crazy I will say this car crash also is one of the few pieces that survived all four reshoots or whatever. This is yeah, from the original script. I don't you know don't, if it's the same car crash. You know, I don't know if they just wrote around like we want rewrites, but you got to include this car crash. <laughs> I don't care what happens in this movie, but there's got to be werewolves and his car's got to roll down a hill. <laughs> it's an exciting crash. That's, um... But it also like cuts and like flips so much that like I feel like you could have used that and written a whole script around the footage you already had in some ways. That's what they did. <laughs> because <laughs> then then your set piece is like an upside down car that is uh, next to some shrubs and it does not look nearly as good as the flip and accident itself. Yeah. It's suddenly on. I feel like that was probably on a stage. Oh, 100%. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I mean, most of this is on stages. This is there's one bar I think in this movie that 
Nope. No, that was a different movie I was watching yesterday that took place in a bar. <laughs> don't worry about it. Okay, done worrying about it. Also, don't cut that out. This stays in the podcast. <laughs> I don't cut anything out anymore. <laughs> it's, all, anything. Uh, it's all evidence. Um, uh, I want to bring up really quickly that uh, this movie opens with a rendition of Little Red Riding Hood, which is one of my favorite songs. If you want to hear it, Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs do the original. It's a delight, but you got to look up the Meteors version of it. Amazing. Or Bowling for Soup. And this if, movie you, was if you decide to watch this movie, maybe fast forward like two minutes when the movie starts so you don't have to listen to Bowling for Soup ruin this song. You Nothing could, against uh, Bowling for Soup in general. Like, you know, the girl the bad guys want. The opening guys that did the song... I it it gave me flashbacks to like when Smash Mouth would be used to open right. up a movie yeah. in the early two thousands. Well, I still like uh, <laughs> it what felt is it? Like we'll, that. we'll definitely future podcast episode. Idle Hands has the Offspring doing a very fun cover. It's not like a thing that I dislike. Or um, Clueless has who the fuck is in Clueless? Anyway, wait, delightful Scott. <laughs> oh, what bands in Clueless? Uh, I believe you're thinking of Rolling with My Homies. Also delightful. Not performed alive in that movie. No. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the soundtrack and curse for the most part. It, like it, it flirts alongside a lot of music. I I do actually write like. Uh, I will say the score from it from Marco Beltrami like is kind of great at a at some points uh, when it introduces you into the scene with some just really loud bass. <laughs> There's some bass drops that put you right in the scene. And the important part of the score is that anytime someone enters the scene, you hear that dun sound. <laughs> the dun. Anytime someone enters the scene, it's gonna have this big musical drop. I should we should we talk a little bit more about uh what happened in Development Hell? Uh yeah, whoever knows it, this is this is a good time. I'm uh I'm reading some things now and it's kinda blowing my mind. I would read yeah. an entire book about like Skeet what went was the uh, one of the three leads in this movie? Who he does not appear in this film. Skeet Ulrich. Okay, wow. <laughs> um, that's and they nuts. shot ninety percent of this movie before they just scrapped it and started over, and then they scrapped that and started over again. Was and he... I believe the second version of this movie was actually almost filmed in its entirety. Do you think he was just replaced with Joshua Jackson? Because I would say that's the third lead of this movie. I, I have no idea. I originally <laughs> originally Christina Ricci and Jesse Eisenberg were not siblings for like I believe the first two versions of this movie either. Okay. There were three strangers brought together Holy by a car shit. accident in the Hollywood Hills. This movie really got Weinstein. <laughs> it yeah. Did. Uh, it's it really I, did because they started know. filming it in two thousand in two thousand and it didn't come out until two thousand and four. That's crazy. My God, two thousand and five, two thousand five. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's wild. Would you Would you like to hear a quote from uh, Judy Greer about this movie? Absolutely. This is an interview where she says, "I don't know why that movie got so fucked up. I don't understand it. I thought the script was fine. Honest to God, I didn't get the big deal. I don't know who kept making them fuck with it. Then we shot the movie for like seven years. I think they said we had four movies worth of footage. It was so fun, but so weird. I don't get it. I couldn't figure it out." Yeah. I can't believe it, but I believe it. That's insane. Yeah, no, I'm reading about it, and, like, this has as many, like, famous people cut out of it as, uh, like, the Thin Red Line, <laughs> in addition to Skeet Ulrich. Mandy Moore was in this movie, Omar Epps, <laughs> Heather Langenkamp, 
uh, Corey Feldman, Robert Forster. <laughs> Wes Craven was uh, like 10, 10 days away from starting production on a different movie before the, we- uh, the Weinsteins pulled the plug on that and put him on Cursed. And he wait. worked. So he wait, wasn't wait even like what? really involved in the development of it? No, I think they pulled him off that other movie to develop and make Wow, that's Cursed. <laughs> but yeah, they, they pulled the plug on that other movie, which was, um, I think it was called Pulse. And he says he worked for two and a half years for double his fee. But he, he could have done two and a half other movies, <laughs> <laughs> is what he said. And he's like, this was not worth it. I think it's not worth it. And part of the reason my phone hasn't rung is that this story is pretty well known. <laughs> so, yeah, real real bummer of a time. Um, Mandy Moore played the girl in the parking lot originally and uh oh. john c mcginley from scrubs was gonna be uh jimmy's dad man and again this is like an 80 million dollar movie 90 80 to 100 million dollar movie that got back 38 or something i'm dying to see an original <laughs> cut of it. it's so rare wow. that you get to see like actual alternate versions i mean usually director's cuts are cobbled together of right what they're able to to pull from deleted scenes uh, yeah but a lot of times like they were just straight up told like oh no you can't film this this is cut even before it gets filmed um on a lot of like epics and action movies there's things where they don't have the budget to finish the cgi so that's pushed even if it had an importance that's why like you're not really going to get a director's cut for let's say any any marvel movie uh, that might even have a CG character in it because there's, there's an incredibly important thing with Professor right. Hulk in Endgame that the Russos would love to show us. Uh, that's going to cost $2 billion to render. <laughs> so well, we're that's, not... the, that's the reason that you got that Zack Snyder director's yeah. cut costing yeah, that's... as much as We're not going to get does. the Snyder cut of uh, Cursed. So, because they've, they've no talked about finished it. ending. Yeah. <laughs> so, the like first version ending. doesn't and Wes have. Craven's a, dead. <laughs> the first version doesn't have a finished ending. Wes Craven's been dead for a little bit. Um, I think they shot almost the entirety of the second version of this movie, but again, it's just like with how bad Cursed came out, like I'd go read the script, you know, maybe we'd get a decent remake out of it. Uh, you know, we can transition into that at some point, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's not like to me, I'd still love to see an event horizon cut is yes, the one that's that that's, one. that's the one that like I would like to see just and, you know, there's a good argument to be made that the movie is good as it is, and there's enough there. We don't need, like, a gratuitous amount of anything. But I right. feel like it would just be a little bit cleaner. You could just shape it up a little bit if you gave it a little bit more breathing room. You talk about Event Horizon? I am talking about okay. Event Horizon. I was just checking because, like, one of, the, one of the things I feel about Cursed is, like, I don't hate most of this movie. I think scene for scene I'm having a good time. But it's kind of just a tonal mess. And, I you know, know, I definitely I, would have liked to see whatever original vision. Can I say some of my favorite quotes, my favorite quotes from this movie? Please. Absolutely. Okay. Um, let's see. So the LAPD shoots the shit out of the uh, werewolf. And then mm-hmm. they say, we shot the shit out of this. <laughs> and then um, uh, Judy Greer says, if I can't have him, well... You know how that line goes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what what else do we got? And then uh, she's a hyper skinny publicist. That's a good one. Oh wait, no, there. Oh, there's another one. There's 
I guess there's no such thing as safe sex with a werewolf. That was wonderful. That's a great like, line. Some of these lines are so good. Uh, yeah, but, uh, braids are on the floor. Oh, that'll, oh, that'll do. When he's, uh, when he's uh, arguing with the bully, he says, did you just attempt a confrontation? <laughs> yeah, I loved that. <laughs> yeah. So, so how can you beat lines like that? Oh, that's one thing we should probably mention too. Is just that that inter- that weird weird scene where uh, Jesse Eisenberg comes to the door to find his bully, and the it goes down like, uh, "Can I help you? How did you know? What do you what what are you, what are you talking about? Don't don't play dumb with me. How did you know? How how can no one else can see it? I feel like I've been sending out signs. What, what are you talking about?" And yeah, like he comes out to him, attempts to kiss him, and Jesse Eisenberg's like, "I'm not gay." And he's like, "Come on, we're the only two gay guys in the yeah, school." Yeah, you're the only other gay person <laughs> I can come out to you. Like, come on, <laughs> which is is quite funny. Doesn't make up for like no, the it's, cringe it's factor from all yeah. those before. It was almost progressive by 2005 almost. standards. Yeah, oh, barely two thousand. Yeah, almost. That's why I'm trying to like pinpoint when exactly all these decisions <laughs> are being made because there's somewhere just like. I can understand it more in a movie coming out at 2000 than even in 2005. I think yeah. we're talking about this a lot in like Eurotrip where it's just like, you know, even if that's your type of humor, like the way that it's put together is not a good joke. It's just yeah. mean in a way that like doesn't reveal anything about character. Yeah. And I think we can skip past the uh, talking about really the ending where Jesse Eisenberg uh, opens the door again. And that guy is there with, his girlfriend, who Jesse Eisberg had been trying <laughs> to get with a bunch, and he's like, "Hey, now you guys can make out because we're all friends, and I'm gay." Yeah, <laughs> and hey, I'm just gonna like, come this with is... you, and I'm cool with everything. It's one yeah. of the messiest things I've ever it's... seen. I watched it twice. It's... That was so enjoyable on its own. Bad it's so decision, weird. but enjoyable fucking scene. Um, so you know, are we are we ready to 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 oh, yeah. put some sort of rating system on this? Mm. Sage, how would how would you? How would you rate this? Uh, All right, of, like, thinking what kind on of, my feet. What kind of? What kind of hmm. yeah. If we had, let's say, uh, three metrics by which to uh, by which to rate a film, uh, we would call it still good. Uh, we would call it better as a memory, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, or uh, we would yell that it has uh, fat thighs and and bad skin, and then shoot it a bunch <laughs> when it bursts through a window. Yeah, and then take off its head just for good measure. Or I guess like take out its brains just for it's good the measure. the only way you can We know. would trap it in a hall of mirrors. Oh, oh by yeah. the way, oh, this yeah. movie has a sequence <laughs> in a hall of mirrors that is inside a nightclub. <laughs> you know, I wanted to mention that because I wanted to mention the the movie trope uh, that happened in the 90s of 90s movies where the ending sequence took place in a hall of mirrors. And I love that this movie did that. I think that's still around. Didn't it's, like it's as, as, as it's recently as maybe the Rock, maybe Sean skyscraper. I think skyscraper with the Rock has a hole in mirrors at the top of the. <laughs> that's the classic ending. John Wick. It's it's but like there's the there's the action movie version of that, and then there's the yeah. horror movie version of that. Uh, He's in the Hall of Mirrors. It's bad. Anyway, yeah. Should we leave this movie in a hall of mirrors and just close <laughs> the door and let it go quietly insane? Um. Yeah, I, I guess I'll go first. I'm going to give this a better as a memory, even though I've never seen this movie before. That feels like the gentle but way But you thought saying, you had. <laughs> yeah, I thought I'd seen it, and what I thought I'd seen was better than this movie. <laughs> it's not It's not a terrible movie. It's fine. It's got some fun stuff in it. 
it's not a, it's not offensive enough to like bury it's just you know it exists it's a weird i don't know time capsule of what could have been i'm really interested in checking out the original script and seeing if there was much of a better movie cuz we don't really have proof of that either right the minds attached to it like i love scream scream is one of my favorite movies but you know uh, I know what you did last summer is a delight, but it's not a good movie. <laughs> so, you know, Kevin Williamson isn't batting 100. He's batting like 92, which is respectable. I wonder if, and this segues well to my overall thoughts, uh, this movie is really trying to be Scream to its detriment. I know that's a silly thing to say when it is the same director and the same writer, but at a certain point, I don't think it's the same writer. I would be shocked if Kevin Williamson is writing all these. There's there's lines in here that sound like someone else mm-hmm. trying to write Scream. Um, and it's also just got like a stupid amount of twists in the end just because, yeah. like, well, that's what, that's what Scream did, even though that worked in Scream. And I feel right. very comfortable saying, like, it does not work in this. Because Joshua Jackson goes into creepy werewolf move as a complete tonal shift, which and it just, definitely it just feels was wrong. not that was not part of earlier drafts. And again, like yeah, this is the producers pushing and pulling this movie a lot, which not always yeah, a bad it, thing. It feels like actors like, are seeing the sides on the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like I'm sure Weinstein has has saved some films, like <laughs> allegedly. Uh, cut them in a way that you know wins awards, and that's why he's, he was able to do that for so long. Um, anyway yeah I I like this film also just real quick stance of this movie or stance of this podcast uh, Weinstein's obviously a monster but uh, (laughs) it feels like almost not worth going into yeah yeah no that's a that has nothing to do with with because we haven't said it Uh, I I would hope that people would assume that's my stance I would hope so too but I felt like that's also my stance (laughs) Uh, but yeah very much better as a memory the uh, the what could have been don't actually change the fact of of what I watched for 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. Tyler. Tyler, um, tell us about your favorite movie. Can I can I be like a middle ground on this? Like I don't I feel think... like we already are taking the middle yeah, ground, but do you take about? whatever ground you want? All you right. Know? Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh it's not a great movie. It's just like an average early two thousands movie. I think my favorite quote is you're the dodgeball crotch target. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, shit, so, Tyler still has more quotes. <laughs> <laughs> I will quote until the end of the time. No, it, but it's, it is... Um, there's so few werewolf movies out there, and mm-hmm. I actually do like them a lot. Like, we talked about American Werewolf in London. And, uh, you know, I'd say it probably doesn't hold up anymore. There, there is just that, like, early 2000s weirdness, the, like, homophobic humor and stuff like that. So I want to like it, but I think um, I think it just has a little too much weirdness going on. And uh, maybe someday they will make a new werewolf movie that'll work. I I, I don't <laughs> think it's gonna happen, but you know, I, you could. know, it felt like we've been in a drought. What's that? It feels like we've been in a drought of we're, werewolf movies. We're in a werewolf drought, one hundred percent. We need to fix that. Well, it's the. Yeah. Well, I mean, now that we have a, a silver shortage because of COVID and like the the production and distribution, like maybe werewolves will be making a comeback. Well, now we got a new Ryan Gosling movie coming out. Supposedly, Ryan Gosling being a werewolf. I'll well, watch that. 
Here's what we're going to do. We're going to figure this out right now, Tyler, uh, because it just so happens we own the rights to Cursed. And uh, one of the nice things about horror films is, like, you could just make any werewolf film and just call it Cursed, just slap the title on it. So you're telling me we're going to make a remake of Cursed right now. I will literally drive over to where you guys are, and we will start making this movie right now. That's unnecessary. It's going to take like five minutes. <laughs> it's happening. I'm already on my like way. Three to five I'm on my way each. right now. All right. Um, Insert bumper. We're reviving a canceled undercover police program from the 80s. Oh, it's not a remake. It's a reboot. You see, the guys in charge of this stuff lack creativity. What the fuck is a reboot? are completely out of ideas. We're working on less of a shriekwell and more of a screaming. So all they do now is recycle shit from the past. And they don't even make squeakles. Expect us all not to notice. I like it. Another. And we're back. <laughs> wow, Tyler, you really got here quick. <laughs> I'm on my way. You can't stop me. <laughs> All right, we're gonna do it uh, while he's in the car on on speaker. <laughs> That's my. I'm in the car. <laughs> All right. So, what kind of werewolf movie do you actually want to see? Like, I took the stance earlier that I don't think mm-hmm. I've seen a great werewolf movie, and. I don't, I, I don't understand why that is. So if you're going to make a werewolf movie right now, how do you yeah. make it good? Or TV show or werewolf sure. video game. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think the, the thing about a werewolf game. movie is <laughs> yes. that it it wouldn't have to be like hyper serious. It wouldn't have to be like hyper gory, but it wouldn't have to be hyper comedy. It would be like a middle ground in between the two. So, uh, you know... It sounds silly, but I, I think it actually is possible to make a middle ground between the two. That I think that's what American Werewolf in London did. Mm-hmm. It made a movie that was... Uh, it's a scary about, comedy. Yeah, a scary and, uh, comedy, a exactly. So, yeah. so I think that's possible. I think it's possible to do it. I think it takes a lot of finesse to accomplish something like that. So I don't know if it's possible for anyone to do it. I don't know if I could do it. I probably couldn't. Maybe. Maybe I could. Probably not. I wonder. I Thanks honestly, for driving I wonder, all the way here. <laughs> I trust. I trust Gavin more than me because he's I, a, a more accomplished filmmaker than I am. I don't know about that. I. I just. I'm the only thing I'm thinking about with the bones that we have that have been delivered in this movie. My my lazy version of uh, attempting not to rewrite this movie is mm-hmm. just to cut out Jesse Eisenberg's story. Really, and I think the movie works pretty fun if you just like you've got that high the idea of like weird creepy gothy nightclub run by a werewolf that this girl's trying to get close to but the guy just weirdly is taking space and i say even leave him leave him leave him awful but like give him give him an evil x too i think there's enough fun stuff here you just so we sort of recreate the scene from matrix reloaded when they uh, created the Vampire Nightclub. Uh, I it, mean... <laughs> I'm only thinking about Blade right now. I have no idea. I... <laughs> <laughs> but no, like, I, I, I 100% agree with with that, Gavin. Yeah, I no, I, I actually Jesse Eisenberg, I agree. As much as I do, I do like him in this he's, movie, he I don't is think fun that in this adds movie, yeah. there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with... like I'm not talking about his performance. Uh, yeah. I'm just saying, like tonally, if you make this a little darker... But like, allow it to be fun. Like, allow yeah. it to be a play on on L.A. Like, I mean, she's working with publicists. Like, the villain as a publicist is really fun. Mm. Judy Greer's doing great again. Yeah, um, or just yeah. the idea that it's just like a jealous ex girlfriend, like yeah. just killing all the other exes as yeah. a werewolf. Like, that's fucking flawless. It's a delight. That's good shit. Yeah. 
I, yeah. I so I mean that's my lazy just just cut out Jesse Eisenberg's entire story and uh you know run with it make no, it I... a little bit darker give it give us of course the R rated uh one thing that I know specifically like is that that garage scene that we mentioned a couple times ends mm-hmm. with her her trapped in a elevator uh that ends with her being murdered but we cut out of that and apparently that was shot and show that stuff like you know yeah we're, oh, we're, that was we're here a for PG-13 it 13 <laughs> compromise yeah. yeah yeah we're here make this an r-rated movie give make it sexier too like in terms of that like lean into the r rating in terms of you know just make it horny as vampire or werewolf movies should be I don't think, yeah, I don't think there should be a PG-13 werewolf movie. I think werewolf movies should be R-rated. You know, give us the stuff that we're we're looking for. should be bloodier. It should be hornier, especially considering <laughs> that they uh, made the thing. Uh, oh, we lost Tyler. We have lost Tyler. <laughs> Did we end up with a, with a cursed pitch? <laughs> I mean, mine's in there. Yeah, I, we, so we didn't end up with three. We got one. I think that's right. Like, just cut Jesse Eisenberg out of it. Make it hornier. Make it bloodier. Um, I guess, like, give Kevin Williamson another crack at it. I am going to probably look up his, see if I can find his his script and read it. Because I'm curious. I Again, Scream's fantastic. And I would like to see what, and I, I do enjoy, uh, even though I just shit-talked it earlier, I Know What You Did Last Summer is a very fun movie. All yeah. right. Well, it appears that we have have lost Tyler, who didn't get to hear our wonderful, horny, cursed pitch for the last two minutes. As as he was driving over to help us remake Cursed, I believe that he hit a stray dog. Is that what happened? No, he, he ran into another car and rolled down a hill. Right, right, and right. Right, like, we, we were there. We, like, almost got him out. I reached in, grabbed his ankle, and helped him uh, undo his seatbelt, but he got dragged off by, I, I don't know what, it, it could have been a cougar or a bear. I couldn't quite see. Um, Sage, you've been telling me it's a werewolf, but those don't exist. Uh, I just didn't see it, so I don't know. It could have been. <laughs> <laughs> it was very funny. The The tactical behind-the-scenes thing is uh, Tyler is claiming he is still in the uh, podcast record. <laughs> uh, I don't know where we can find more of Tyler on the <laughs> internet. Uh, we'll drop his handle in the notes. Uh, I have nothing to plug. I'm about to leave and do a feature that I'm very excited for. Gavin, do you have anything to plug? Oh, yeah. Look out for the novelized version of Fur Fangs and Rock and Roll coming to you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, maybe someday. We'll see. Uh, I don't know. Red Snow's on its on its uh, continuing on its festival tour. So uh, if it's playing near you, go see it. Yeah. I hope Tyler is, is listening and can hear all of us <laughs> and we can't hear him. Uh, we're at Still Good Pod. Uh, write us in for all the various uh, errors that we made. Yeah, and, and tell us your favorite werewolf movie because clearly we haven't seen enough great ones. Clearly, oh, um, there's a dearth in my experience. The other recommendation I was going to say, speaking of sibling vamp or sibling werewolf movies, um, yeah, one I don't remember very well, but I do remember liking is Ginger Snaps. So maybe go rewatch that. All right, I've never heard of that, but go do that. <laughs> All right. Great intro. Great outro. Clean Um, machine of a podcast. We'll see you next time. Bye. (laughs) Bye. What the hell is it anyway? Oh, it's a werewolf. Did you say werewolf? Yeah. She may have changed back to her human form. Her name's Joni. She's this hyper skinny publicist. Any other description? Yeah, um... 
She's what, it's like five seven. She's she's got a bony ass and fat thighs and bad skin. Hey there, little red riding hood. You sure are looking good. You're everything that a big bad wolf Trusted here to walk with you 